Welcome to the Plant Power Pantry Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Dobrowanski, an educator, author, and self-trained chef. Whether you're vegan, vegan curious, or simply want to kickstart your health, this is the podcast for you. I believe that small changes in our food choices can make big differences in our health and wellness. So join me each week as we investigate one food item to expand your pantry one step at a time. Together, we'll build a healthy foundation by investigating the history, the health benefits, and I'll provide some tips on storage along with a delicious recipe for you to try. I'm so happy you're joining me in my kitchen to explore all the wonderful food the world has to offer. All right, let's put on our aprons and join me as we open the doors to the plant-powered pantry. The information on this podcast should not be taken as medical advice. If you require a medical diagnosis or prescription, or if you are contemplating any major dietary change, please consult a qualified healthcare provider. You should always seek an expert medical opinion prior to making changes in your diet, supplement regimen, or lifestyle. Back pantry people, I am so happy to have you joining me again this week for another episode of season two when we are focusing all on foods that help us recover. And whether you're just getting started in a new workout routine or you're training for a marathon or an ultra marathon, these are the foods that you need to be incorporating now. And today we continue with For the Love of Lentils. So let's get into this love of lentils. So lentils have been sustaining humans for thousands of years. Evidence of domesticated lentils date back to around 8,000 BC, where they were found on the banks of the Euphrates River, which is what is now northern Syria, but by 6,000 BC, lentils had reached Greece where they were regarded as a poor man's food. However, the opposite is true of the ancient Egyptians where remains of lentils were actually found in the royal tombs at Thebes dating back to 2400 BC. And along with the Egyptians, the ancient Romans and Hebrews commonly ate lentils, which, fun fact, are mentioned several times in the Bible. The most notable is in the Old Testament in Genesis, when Da came back and sold his firstborn birthright to his brother Jacob for lentil stew. And of the lentil, in India, dates back to 2500 BC. And in modern day, half of the world lentils are consumed in India. Then from the Near East, lentils eventually reached Western Europe, growing in popularity mainly in France and became a favorite ingredient in bistro cooking. 
Now, lentils were introduced to the Americans by the Spanish and Portuguese explorers of the early 16th century, and they did not gain popularity until World War II, where they were promoted as an alternative to meat, thus paving the way for their popularity amongst the vegetarian and vegan communities. Fun fact, lentils are as good for the environment as they are for our health because the nitrogen-producing bacteria that grow naturally at the roots helps enrich the soil. Get into the health benefits of lentils. Lentils may be relatively inexpensive, they are very nutritious and filling, and more importantly, and arguably the most flavorful of all legumes. Lentils are packed with magnesium, zinc, potassium, iron, and protein. Let's first talk about protein. The most common question I still get asked to this day, even after 22 years of being vegan, is where do you get your protein? And one of my responses is always lentils. Lentils contain approximately 25%, which makes them an excellent meat alternative and one of my favorite legumes to cook with and to eat. They are also very high in iron. According to the Journal of Research in Medical Science, iron has four major functions in the body. It helps with oxygen transport. So iron is needed to produce a molecule called hemoglobin which is critical in red blood cells. And hemoglobin actually just carries oxygen around the body so all the cells have the oxygen needed to function. Iron also transports oxygen into our muscles via myoglobin molecules. It also helps with energy production. Iron is needed to produce ATP, the body's source of energy. Iron also helps our immune system. It is used by the immune system to destroy some types of bacteria. And finally, it also helps with DNA synthesis. Iron is needed and a necessary component for your proper formation of DNA. And if there are low levels of iron in the body or a overt iron deficiency, none of these functions are, are, are working properly. They're actually impaired. And 
you know, especially if you're moving your body every day and you're you're getting out there and you want to have high levels of energy and you want to be able to perform and have your muscles recover quickly, iron is one of the things that you need. And why not pack it into this little tiny legume of a lentil? So one serving of lentils can provide 37% of the recommended daily value of iron. And, you know, I can't talk about legumes without talking about fiber. Lentils are high in fiber, which helps support regular bowel movements and the growth of healthy gut bacteria. Fiber can also improve and increase our overall gut function, and that helps keep you feeling regular and feeling full for longer periods of time. And finally, lentils also contain a broad range of beneficial plant compounds called phytochemicals. And many of which of these protect against chronic diseases such as heart disease and type 2 diabetes. These plant compounds also help in reducing inflammation. And this is super important if you are an athlete in a training season or if you're just starting out or changing your workout regime. Because if you can reduce the inflammation in your body, you can recover quicker. All right, let's get into some tips for storing these little versatile packed legumes. So you mainly find lentils in the dry version. However, canned lentils are available. I personally have never seen a can of lentils, but my local Trader Joe's also has what I call a brick of cooked lentils. And that's really, it's just about two to three cups of cooked lentils that have been vacuum sealed. And so they come in like this square and you open it up and you have to break that seal and then rinse them off. And on the occasion that I get to Trader Joe's, I always, if they have them, grab a brick and keep it in my fridge for when I don't have time to cook them or even just to toss them into salads. It's the perfect thing to have on hand. Now, there are several types of lentils on the market. So you've got brown, which are the most widely eaten type. They have a very earthy flavor. They hold their shape well when cooking and are great in soups, stews, or today's recipe of lentil loaf. Now, there's also a version and I'm probably not going to pronounce this right, but I'm going to do my best, of poi, and they come from France, 
and they're typically more pricey than other varieties. They're smaller in size. They quick, they cook very quickly and have a slightly peppery taste. And then there's the green. And these can vary in size and have a slight peppery taste, which makes them a great substitute for recipes that may call for Pui lentils, which are also sometimes substituted. They're called the caviar of lentils. But the green ones make an excellent substitution. And then we've got yellow and red. And these lentils are typically split and they cook very quickly. They are most commonly used in Indian cooking, especially if you're making dal. You also might find them in international stores labeled just as that, as dal. These types will disintegrate if cooked for too long. Therefore, any slow-cooked soup or stew you would want to consider, maybe an alternate type, maybe a brown or a green. Then there's also black or beluga lentils. And these tiny black lentils almost look like um, like uh, roe, like caviar maybe when cooked, and they become a great base for warm salads or bowls. I know myself, I tend to have brown, green, or even some dal on hand for when I want something quick. I really don't come across the black very often, and I personally have never experienced having the uh, the poi. Um, and I, I said that three different times, three different ways. So I don't know, maybe one of those ways is right. Um, so I really just lean on what I find, you know, pretty locally, and they're all always fairly inexpensive. Now you'll want to store your lentils in a sealed package or in an airtight container. I mainly store mine in a large mason jar in the pantry. It's always labeled. Um, I'll have to post a picture of what my my legume shelf looks like for you all so you can see it. Some of you have asked for that. It's coming. Um, dried lentils are a staple food found in many cuisines due in large part to their indefinite shelf life, high nutrition value, and they are impervious to drought when they're growing them, which makes them very, very sustainable, which you can see why they have been around since 8,000 BC. I personally would not recommend you keep your dry lentils longer than one year as they can become susceptible to insects also, prior to cooking dried lentils, you will definitely want to rinse them and pick out any type of small stones that may get into them. And this just happens naturally during harvest and also during packaging. And much like rice, lentils absorb water and double in size when cooked. So you can store cooked lentils in a sealed container in your fridge for up to one week. Now, this week's recipe is probably one that has the longest ingredient list that I've ever given you or shared with you, but it is one that I make probably at least once a month 
Um, just because it's great for leftovers, it's great for me to bring to the office for lunch the next day or two days or three days. It's even great to make a sandwich with, um, which I haven't done in a very long time, but I have been known to do that in the past. And that is the recipe that you can also find in my book, Faith and Fasting, Scripture and Plant-Based Recipes to Nourish Your Body and Soul. And that is Lentil Loaf. said, this recipe has been in my wheelhouse for years, and I love it. It's one of my go-tos when I need something warm, when I want something comforting, or even just when I know I'm going to have a busy week and I want to prep something on a Sunday and be able to have it for lunches or dinners or whatever throughout the week. And quite honestly, I'm recording this on Sunday. I just made a lentil loaf last night. (laughs) So it's in my fridge for this week for my lunches throughout the week, which I love being able to have that. Okay. This recipe has a lot of ingredients, but you basically just throw everything into a bowl and (laughs) mix it together. So let's get started. So you are going to need two cups of cooked lentils. One shredded carrot, and that's approximately about a half a cup of shredded carrot, a finely diced stalk of celery, and three to five baby bella mushrooms that have been stemmed and finely diced. This ingredient is totally optional. I like mushrooms. I don't have an adverse reaction to them, so I try to include them whenever I can. So that's three to five baby bella mushrooms, stemmed, cleaned, and finely diced. A half of a white or yellow onion, finely diced. One garlic clove that has been minced. A half a teaspoon of pepper. One teaspoon of salt. One teaspoon of dried thyme. A half a teaspoon of vegan Worcestershire sauce. And a half a cup of garbanzo bean flour. Now, I know I have some of my friends and my listeners out there who are not fans of garbanzo bean flour. You can substitute almond flour for this. You can also substitute gluten-free flour for this. I just wouldn't use an all-purpose because it's going to make the lentil loaf very, very dense, and it's not going to have the lightness that a finer um, flour brings to it. Okay, so here's what you're going to do. Preheat your oven, 350 degrees. Place all of these ingredients in a large bowl and mix them very well to combine. This is going to take a little bit of elbow grease because, you know, as you start mixing it and the flour gets worked through, it's going to feel like a thicker type of... um, consistency, and that's what you want. Then you're going to lightly coat your loaf pan with non-stick spray, or you can line it with parchment. I have done both. You're going to press the loaf mixture into the pan. 
Now, here's where you got to use your hands because you want to make sure that you're going to pack it as tightly as you can because this will help it hold its shape when you're ready to cut it. Okay, you are going to pop it in the oven for about 45 minutes. While that's cooking, you want to make the glaze. The glaze is very easy. Half a cup of ketchup, two tablespoons of unsweetened applesauce, one tablespoon of maple syrup, two tablespoons of balsamic vinegar, and one teaspoon of dried thyme. Put all of that in a small bowl, take a fork, mix it up, whisk it up till it's all combined. Then after 45 minutes, you're going to take your lentil loaf out and you are going to pour the glaze on top of the par-baked loaf. You're going to see it's going to ooze down the sides a little bit because at this point in time, the loaf should be kind of pulling away from the sides of your pan, and that's what you want. Okay, make sure it's got a nice even coating on the top. You're going to pop it back in the oven for about a half an hour or until that glaze gets that that um, um, desired golden, dark, deep maroon color to it. The one I made uh, last night actually had like some little crispy burnts on it and it was just amazing. Okay, you're gonna take, <laughs> I know I'm getting myself all excited. You're gonna take this out of the oven after about a half hour to 40 minutes, depending upon the heat of your oven. You're gonna take it out. You're going to allow the loaf to rest for 20 to 30 minutes in the pan on a cooling rack, on your range, whatever space that you have for about 20 to 30 minutes. And then you're able, you're ready to slice it. Um, I typically slice it in the pan and then just kind of pull my slices out using a, um, either a fork or a spatula. And then once it's cooled completely, I will take it out of the pan, finish slicing it, throw it in a bag and pop it in or a container and pop it in the fridge for leftovers for the week. Like I said, this makes amazing leftovers. Um, it's easy enough where that you can pop it in, you know, the oven again to heat it up. You can fry it in a skillet. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Especially if you're going to make a sandwich with it. So you're going to take your cold slices, put them into a hot pan. I usually use my cast iron skillet on both sides like you would a hamburger, like you would a burger, and just kind of flip it over halfway through. And once it's warm through, pop it on um, some toasted bread. And it is just so good. I also usually throw some arugula on if I'm going to make a salad, if I'm going to make a sandwich with it. But I've also been known to just, you know, throw it in a container, bring it to work. And if... I don't have the uh, toaster oven available. I will pop it in the microwave, um, but preferable method is always in the toaster oven. All right, my friends, I hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you for joining me this week. Oh, and don't forget to stay tuned for your transition tip of the week.
our transition tip of the week is to find a positive community. And, you know, like anything new, it's always nice to share your successes or have questions answered in a space where you know that you are not going to be judged for your question or for, you know, any little milestone that you may hit. And the vegan community on Instagram is, for the most part, very positive and supportive. I know with all of my followers and those who I'm following, there are no quote-unquote vegan police, and we actually support one another. We support one another through our challenges, through our struggles, but then also through, like I said, those little successes that we feel. I have even become friends with a lot of them, and we will get together for good vegan food. And when we travel, or when I travel, and then we can cross paths. Um, I have a friend who I'm going to meet up with in the next upcoming weeks, um, who's out in Pennsylvania, because I'm going to be traveling in that area. So I'm very excited to meet her. And, you know, I know if I ever get out to um, Illinois, I've got friends I can look up or everywhere. I mean, even in this own state, even in my own state of New Jersey, like, you know, there's such a great community. Um, Another great place to look for finding your community is actually, believe it or not, a meetup. And there are vegan groups who get together for sanctuary volunteering, for meetup dinners, lunches, or even breakfast. For example, I know in New Jersey, there is a vegan in New Jersey group, which I think it's vegan in NJ (laughs) is what it's called. And they alternate between volunteering and meetups at small vegan restaurants throughout the state. Don't know where to start? Follow me on Instagram at The Plant Powered Pantry and send me a DM and I can connect you with some of my favorite people. Thank you so much for joining me in my kitchen today. I enjoyed our time together. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode of The Plant Powered Pantry Podcast. Also, if you have a minute, do me a favor, rate and review the show. It really means a lot to me. Also, to stay up with all things plant-powered and to get today's recipe, please visit plantpoweredpantry.com. All right, my friends, until next week, keep on cooking.